Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Amen. If we in turn to 1 Samuel chapter 28, 1 Samuel 28 and verse number 3, I'm going to read a few verses of scripture. I will try to the best of my ability not to hold you long this evening. 1 Samuel 28 verse number 3, the Bible says, now Samuel was dead and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah even in his own city. Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem. Saul gathered all Israel together and they pitched in Gilboa. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams nor by Urim nor by prophets. Then said Saul unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servants said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. Skipping down to verse number 15. The Bible says, And Samuel said to Saul, Now this is Samuel that's been brought back. All right, he's dead. This is just the spirit of Samuel. Samuel said to Saul, Why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me. So the adversary is against him. And God is departed from me. These are some very sad words, folks. The Philistines make war against me, and God has departed from me. And answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known to me what I shall do. This evening with the help of the Lord, and hopefully you could render a little bit as well. I want to minister this subject. Familiar spirits. Familiar spirits. Amen. Let us go to the Lord in prayer right now. Father, I come to you, Lord, and I'm thankful. God, I always want to approach you with a heart of gratitude, Lord, and thanksgiving. And Father, I'm grateful. I pray, O Lord, that you would take right now this moment in time. God, that you would bring, Lord, every attention and every thought, Lord, back in obedience to you. God, every drifting thought, every spirit of distraction, everything, God, the bewilderment and wondering, I pray, God, bring it back, Lord, to, Lord, ground zero right now. Master, I pray, Lord, you would help us, God, through the preaching of your word. God, that souls and lives, God, could be impacted. Lord, minister to and strengthened. I pray, O Lord, today, God, for your word of God, it's infallible. God, and we have great confidence, Lord Jesus, in that fact, and great, Lord Jesus, faith in that. I pray, O Lord, God, let your spirit, God, come into this place. God, amidst and among your people, Lord Jesus, tonight, God, and we will give you, Lord, the praise and the honor and the glory and the majesty, God, for what you accomplish and do in this house. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ, I pray. 
Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Again, shake a hand if you will before you're seated. Tell somebody how glad you are to see them in the house of the Lord. How glad you are to see them in the house of the Lord. Amen. Scripture records in the Old Testament prior to Saul ever becoming king that he went on a journey with a servant of his to find uh, his father's animals. They were seeking out a seer, a prophet, which would be known by the name of Samuel. And they would meet him, and it was in that meeting and that appointment that God had a, another plan uh, for Saul. The people were asking for a king over Israel, and he was going to give them their wishes and Saul was to be the man and through the prophet Samuel in that meeting that they had with the seer wanting to know where daddy's animals are uh, there was a different thing that had occasioned there and the spirit of the Lord had spoke to Saul how he was going to become the first king of Israel and how that God was going to give him another heart and another spirit and kind of like a side note, just told him, hey, by the way, we know where your daddy's uh, animals are. And uh, so that was probably one of Saul's first encounters, uh, we might say, with a prophet, with a man of God that would give some type of spiritual direction in his life. And this man, Samuel, after Saul would become king, Samuel would be a voice speaking into the life of Saul to offer him direction and offer him uh, some words of wisdom for him. Although Saul seemed to have a regular type of spirit that he didn't always give ear or hearken to the voice of the prophet in his life. And now uh, he had had his hangups, he had made his mistakes uh, he had done some things that wasn't always right in the sight of God. But if there was one thing that he had done right somewhere uh, in his history, it is recorded for us here in 1 Samuel chapter 28 as a side note to the story that is taking place here. Samuel is now dead. The Philistines are in array, a battlement array toward uh, uh, Israel. And Israel has pitched in Gilgal. There's about ready to be some war and battle that takes place. And in that moment of time where it seemed like without Saul even asking for it, Samuel would always give a word of instruction. Whether Saul would follow it or not, there was always that constant, consistent word that Samuel would bring. But now Samuel's dead. That word is not there. Uh, that man of God speaking into his life concerning how they should do or what should be done as they go into battle, whether it would have been followed or not, that is not, that, that, that privilege is not there extended unto Saul. But as a side note, among all of these things of Samuel being dead and there's battle that's about ready to be raging and Saul's in a position that he doesn't know what to do, the scripture tells us that Saul in verse number three had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. This was by no means something that he had thought up of his own making. This was not something that Saul had devised of himself. 
the Old Testament law had spoke very clearly about wizards and soothsayers and those of familiar spirits in which the scripture says suffer not a witch to live. It's very plain in the terminology. Leviticus 19.31 in rehearsing what the law had to say about this. It said, regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. In Leviticus 20 and verse 6, the admonition is this, and the soul that turneth after such as have familiar spirits and after wizards to go a whoring after them, I will even set my face against that soul and will cut them off from among his people. Probably uh, Saul's number one mark of, of rightness in his life out of everything that he did wrong was somewhere in the past. Uh, in, in comparison to where he's at right now, somewhere in the past, in his life and in his kingship, he had underscored the decree of the law that you should not entertain those of familiar spirits. In other words, he's saying, I'm banning this. I'm setting this aside. This, this is off limits. This is something that you do not need to have as a part of your life. So we're setting this thing aside. Yet whenever we see that he setting this thing aside the Bible says he's in a place that he doesn't know what to do the prophet in his life is dead there is no voice of the Lord that is being spoken there in verse number six it says he inquired of the Lord yet I have a little doubt concerning even his inquiry because the scripture tells us that all the days of Saul he never even inquired of the ark of the covenant so uh, his spirituality is not real high to begin with but it says that he inquired of the Lord and the Lord did not answer him neither by, by dreams or by Urim or by a prophet. God, God did not speak to him by a dream. And I just pose that maybe the Lord didn't speak to him by a dream because when you don't inquire by God by day, he doesn't necessarily talk to you by night. He was not spoken to by the Urim. The, the Urim and Thurim were these two little stones that the priest kept in a pocket there on his breastplate. And many times when people were seeking direction or answers, they would get out the Urim and Thurim. And it was almost like casting lots. One uh, was designated as a yes. Another was designated as a no. But he could not do that with the priest now. And again, looking at his history and past, I go back to a time in his life that David went to the temple and he was looking for food to sustain him and he got some and there was a priest there of a baser sort that seen all of this and took word back to Saul because David's at a time in his life he's fleeing from Saul and when Saul hears of it he goes to the house of God and he slays has slain 85 priests so I, I, I just draw a connection that perhaps he's not hearing by the urim of the priest because he has slain in his past some 85 of them by his own hand. Not hearing by a prophet. He had a prophet in his life, Samuel. And although he spoke consistently and constantly, oftentimes he didn't even adhere to the voice of the prophet. Because whenever Samuel says, wait till I get there to make the burnt offerings and the peace offerings, Saul goes on about and does his own business. Whenever Samuel says, I want you to go and I want you to utterly destroy the Amalekites, he goes in and he saves the king, Agag, and he saves some of the oxen and he saves some of the chief of the sacrifices 
he does not fully follow the voice of the Lord. And perhaps he's not hearing by a prophet right now, not just because Samuel's dead, but because he never listened to the prophet he had to in his life anyway. Could someone say amen? And so even the action that he's taken here in battle, look what happens. He gathers at Mount Geboa. They are set for battle. They are set to go in and he's seeing his adversary before him. And now he gets the bright idea. I think if I can go somehow find God to talk to him about or he raised himself in battle, or he sets himself upon the mountain, all ready to do warfare, and it's kind of an afterthought. Why don't we now go see what God has to say about this? Should I or should I not do this? Can someone say amen? And in the midst of all of this journey, of not knowing what to do, in his past somewhere had done the right thing. Familiar spirits, they are, they are off bounds. They are banned from us. We're not to have any dealings with them. Uh, we're to set them aside. Yet the scripture says during this time of his life that Saul goes to his servant and he says, I want you to seek me a woman. Amen, that I might go to her and inquire of her. I need you to find a woman that hath a familiar spirit. And right here is beginning the great downfall, if you will, or a further downfall in the life of Saul. Death is just around the corner for Saul. But the thing, the thing that I want you to grasp a hold of right now is that the thing that Saul had banned in his life before, the thing that Saul said, that's off limits, that's off bounds. We need to have no dealings with that. That thing that he had placed there back then, now he's inviting back into his life. The thing that he had set aside before, now he's saying, go on and come back in. I banned familiar spirits from the land, but now through a life of disobedience and through a life of arrogance have set in his life, he is now consulting with the very thing he had banned with his life before. I come to preach to a congregation of people this evening that perhaps there are times in your life that you have set some things aside, that you have said, hey, that's banned from our lives. We're not going to have any more dealings with these things. We're not interacting with these things anymore. That's going to be somewhere in my past. That is off limits. Yet you find yourself in a position today that the very thing you yourself said is off limits. I'm not going there. I'm not doing that. I'm not involving myself in that. Now you're in a position right now, the very thing you banned, you're inviting back into your life. I gotta preach to some people today because I feel in my spirit tonight that there's those that are numbered among us that find themselves in a vicious cycle of banning some things and then inviting them back in our life and they find themselves they can never have any victory. Every battle is always a lost battle because the things that they said before, hey, that's off limits. I can't have that in my life. You invite back in your life again and again. Amen. It's those of familiar spirits. It's those of familiar, generally known spirits, well acquainted spirits, unconstrained spirits, closely intimate or personal spirits. It's not something that you're not acquainted with. Amen. It's something that you are well acquainted with. Some people can't get over certain facets of sin in life. 
They said, I'm done with it. It's over. <laughs> and then in the, another breath, a different circumstance, we start inviting the very things that we pushed aside. And we gather them back in our life. Bible says if someone help me just a little bit the Bible says that whenever he did this he sought out this lady a familiar spirit he is in an all time low right now he cannot hear from God seemingly he cannot there's an adversary that is against him and so he goes back to that which is familiar he goes back to that which is familiar. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm here to encourage somebody. Yes, there will be times it seems like you're forsaken by heaven. There are times it's going to seem like that you can't hear heaven talking to you. And it might seem like the adversary is breathing heavy upon your neck. And let me tell you what your tendency is going to be. It's going to be to go back to that which was familiar. Go back to the way of life that you lived for 15 years. Go back to the bar stool. Go back to, if you will, the illicit relationship go back to what's familiar go back to giving yourself away to somebody that never loved you to begin with just keep on keeping on but I'm here to tell somebody today if you banned it once keep it banned don't endorse it don't bring it back in your life don't go the path of the easy and go into that which is familiar I'll preach to three. I'll preach to three because I know, I'm not telling you that this is some spirit and doubt thing. I know tonight there's people under the sound of my voice that always travel a familiar path. The familiar path. The easy way out. I don't want to come to the scripture if you'll turn with me for First Chronicles chapter number 10 and verse number 13, the Bible states these words. It says, so Saul died for his transgression, which he committed against the Lord, even against the word of the Lord, which he kept not, and also for asking counsel, look now. And also for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit to inquire of it. Ladies and gentlemen, the death of Saul was just not the result, amen, of an archer that so wounded him in 1 Samuel. It was just not the result of him falling upon his own sword. It just was not the result of an Amalekite that he should destroy, taking his head off of him. That was not the only result of his death. One of the results of Saul's death is that he invited back into his life something that he had made off measures for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit. I gotta preach to us as a church family tonight. We gotta be careful about what we want kept far from us that it's not now the very thing that will lead us to our spiritual demise
because he took counsel that's another thing that brought death upon his life one thing that he said I'm pushing this away he brought near and it led him to his demise it led him to his death it was a familiar spirit he was well acquainted with it he knew it inside and he knew it out he knew its tendencies he knew its power that it had upon him let me tell you today folks whenever we talk about spiritual things and I believe we, we, we live in a spiritual hotbed right here in Mount Carmel whenever we talk about spiritual things and we talk about spirits of lust and we talk about spirits of murder and we talk about spirits if you will of, of nicotine and spirits of alcoholism and you can slap in there whatever you want spirits of all these different things and we start talking about demons and things along those lines and I'm not here to scare anybody but a demon is nothing more but a disembodied spirit hear me right now demon is nothing more but a disembodied spirit a spirit of lust can't execute its desires unless it has a body to exercise it in Spirit of murder can't exercise its desires unless it has a spirit to operate in. It can do that, that by oppression. It can do that by possession. But there was something coming upon Saul's life that he was familiar with. And let me tell you, folks, when you're dealing with some of those things of yesteryear in your life that are familiar spirits, they are not haphazardly attacking the Bible tells us, if I may go to the scripture, it's not up there. But in the scripture, uh, Mark chapter number 5, the Bible speaks of a story there. Amen. And my Bible's just not working with me right now. In Mark chapter number 5, the Bible tells us that there is a man. Jesus comes to a man with an unclean spirit. Amen. At the Gadarene, scripture says in Mark 5. Amen. And he cast that unclean spirit out of that man. And even asked that man what his name is in Mark 5 and verse 9. And he answered, said unto him, My name is Legion, for we are many. We are many. It was Legion was a terminology that wasn't just used for many, but it was also used for an army that was well regimented. An army that was well regimented. In other words, they didn't just haphazardly come together and drink coffee. They had a mission. They had a mission. They had a purpose. They were well regimented. They all marched to the beat of the same drum. And whenever Jesus asked that name, as you would ask any spirit, familiar spirit of your past name, you're dealing with something very well regimented that's marching to the beat of the same drum. You're, we're not just dealing with something haphazard here. We're dealing with something very real, very pertinent, that seeking has a mission in mind, has a mode of operation in mind to overtake you and cause your demise and cause the frustration of the loss of your life and spiritual life at large. It is is a well regimented thing you know how to keep this thing from happening of embracing what you want to push back Someone say amen. you need filled with the spirit of the Holy Ghost uh-huh. because the scripture tells us in Luke chapter number 11. The scripture tells us in verse number 24 of Luke 11. When the unclean spirit is gone out of a man. 
He walketh through, everybody say dry, dry places, seeking rest and finding none. He saith, I will return unto my house from whence I came. And when he cometh, he findeth it swept and garnished. Then goeth he and taketh to him seven other spirits, more wicked than himself. They enter in and dwell there. The last state of the man is worse than the first state of the man. Unclean spirits gone. The house is clean. The house is garnished. But the house isn't filled. The house is clean. It's garnished. But it's not filled. And the only thing that an empty house is hollering for is residency. His residency. And if there's nothing to fill the house, he says the one who was there before will come back in with some relatives, so to speak, and take up residence in the house. But there's something that they, the spiritual, the familiar spirit, something that they do not care for and like. They are looking for a dry place. Familiar spirits don't like water. Someone say amen. Oftentimes times in scripture, whenever the Bible speaks of water, it is speaking of that spirit of God that we have in us. It speaks that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water, speaking that uh, of the spirit. They don't like water. He says whenever that spirit leaves, uh, it's searching for a dry place, not a wet place. That's the reason why whenever the devils came out of legion, amen, they asked to the Lord, Lord, uh, could you send us into the swine? And he said, all right, I'll send you into the swine. But by a divine act of God, he had the swine go where? To the water. And when they got to the water, amen, the, 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 the animals and the pigs and such drowned. The spirits had to go somewhere else because they can't stand wet places. Amen. Whenever you're filled with the spirit of the Lord and that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you. Amen. And it's a well of living water springing up into everlasting life. There is no vacancy for that which was once in your life. Amen. And you're more or less quick to ask it back in your life. Life, if you have the spirit of the Lord in your life. The proverbial statement is that the dog will return to his vomit of Proverbs 26, 11, And so a fool will return to his folly. That dog returning to his vomit. Now I'm not here to get gross and gruesome. But uh, whenever you vomit, from my understanding, that's usually induced because there's some germ or, or some type of infection. There's, uh, it's your body's reaction, amen, to something foreign in your life. And yet whenever you expel that out of your body, amen, that's supposed to be discarded from you for a purpose. Uh, that's coming out of your body because there's something there that should not be there. And that's discarded for a purpose. Yet the proverbial statement is this. is said it's as a dog, a man that would leave uh, the things of the world and entertain the things of God and get caught up in the fifth heaven, if you will, of the things of God to turn away from that and go back to the familiar places, to turn away from that and go back to the old paths and the way of living. It's likened to a dog that's returning back to something that was supposed to come out of him and not be a part of him. I'm here to tell you tonight, we need to 
rid ourselves of some familiar spirits, amen, in our lives. We need not walk down paths and roads that lead us back to something that we said that's not going to be a part of my life. Can I, I got to tell somebody tonight, too many times we have given the proclamation and the declaration to hell. I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. Yet we've turned around. I don't know if I'm making any headway here tonight. We turn around and we invite that very thing back in our life. Okay. Saul died for asking counsel of one that had a familiar spirit. If you'll stand with me. What's primary is that we must remember who we have a relationship with. When Charles, the first king of England, Scotland and Ireland, in the 1600s, he found himself on the run. Eight men hid him. Eight men cared for him for weeks. There was a large reward that was out for King Charles. But none of these men betrayed him. These eight men were without any money, without any shillings, yet none of them betrayed him, although there was a great reward upon his head. One of these men, Hugh Chisholm, since that point of time of engagement with King Charles, would only shake people's hands left-handed. And he would explain to them why. He said, when it came time to depart from King Charles... He said, he shook our hands. And he said, so I swore never to give any man the hand that I've given to the king. We've got to remember who we're in relationship with. Because after we render minds and hearts and souls to the king, we need to make a compact and an effort that we're not going to render that mind we're not going to render that heart. We're not going to render that soul to anyone else after we've rendered it to the king. Brother Mason, if you come, if we can bow our heads across this building today. Isaiah 8 and, 9, 8 and 19, the Revised Standard Version said that when they say to you, consult the mediums and the wizards who chirp and mutter, should not a people consult their God? Should they consult the dead on behalf of the living? Why would you go to something that is presumably dead for counsel of the living and the life that you have in you. New Testament Scripture records of Mary and Magdalene and several of those that go to the tomb because that's where the Lord was laying 
lay down and they go there and there's two men in shining glistening garments they basically talk to them and say to them in so many words a very very uh, potent statement why do you look for the living among the dead because I believe sometimes in a spiritual way and matter in our life we do that we're looking for life among the things that was banned discounted severed from us and we are consulting with dead things consulting with dead things many times bringing them to our disadvantage back into our life let's close our eyes in this place father i come to you thank you for listening If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you, and have a blessed day.